1: Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell.
0: This is Morning Combat.
1: (laughs) yeah, right? Only on a Friday could I have a co-host who looks that angry. Yes, one more sleep, as the great John Ennick says before, arguably, the busiest, most electric day in combat sports history. What better than the award-winning morning combat to kick you right in the face and get you fired up Friday, July 28th, 2023. So much to talk about, so little time. Luckily, this beige based hard Brian Campbell, is with you in the pole position chair. But my co-pilot today, fresh off an overnight flight to Las Vegas, and in the midst of enough technical problems to where he scolded me like a little boy before we started this show, <laughs> it's Luke Thomas. I did not do that. But we were two minutes
0: away from showtime and uh, the setup still wasn't working. And then you were doing skits and bits. And I'm like, getting me online or skits and bits? I mean, you gotta make your choice here. So I, I thought was it was appropriate that to, I get online.
1: to our social man who told us to have a great show, man. Brendan Lynch is so polite even if he looks like a poor man's Gordon Ryan. But Luke Thomas, we are together again uh, on separate separate parts of this country. Yesterday, we were in Connecticut, CBS Sports Studios, and I got to thank everybody who tuned in live and everybody who caught the replay on YouTube. You can go right now to youtube.com slash morning for your ultimate MK Takeover Spence versus Crawford preview. Luke Fun sometimes, it feels good to do some big boy shit once in a while and, uh, you know what I mean, put on the corporate smile and uh, deliver. You know what I'm talking about?
0: Can I tell you how many times they were concerned about us, like, just being absolute (laughs) jerk-offs on air, cursing, doing the whole, you know, just, I mean, anything abominable you could believe We'd be like, no, no, we we clean up nicely, like, we can do this, we can do this. And uh, I thought we did, Uh, especially UBC. I thought you really just drove that ship the way it needed to be done. So I was really happy with it. I think everyone else was pretty happy with it. Um, Yeah, I haven't really seen a whole lot of, uh, you know, people saying it didn't go well. I felt like like we did what we were supposed to, and I was really, really excited for the opportunity. So thank you to everyone who made that a, a reality.
1: Yeah, we were Sully Sullenberger at the end of the day. Luke, we landed that ship. It took a fantastic staff at CBS Sports to help us get there. Again, Mikey Moormile, an award winning producer uh, in the future, I would have to believe, after that performance. But, Luke, you are on the grounds in Vegas. We're equally excited, of course, for Spence versus Crawford on Showtime pay per view Saturday, along with UFC 291, BMF 2.0, Bellator versus Ryzen 2. What a Saturday coming your way! Can you update us? Separate from the technical difficulties, which has brought out the hatch in you. Uh, and tell me, how does it feel to be on the ground? 110 degrees can't lie, Luke. Spence Crawford tomorrow.
0: Yeah, it was cool. So obviously I went by T-Mobile last night. They had the Spence Crawford stuff outside all lit up with its own colors. It was really cool. You could see stuff all over town. Um you know, I haven't really talked to a lot of fans. Obviously, I just got... I didn't got get in until late last night, so I haven't had a chance to really do all of that. But um, it is hot as biz over here. But from what I can tell, city's a, City is buzzing. City is alive. Uh, the turnout, from what I understand, for some of the, the press events and then the day before, the workout was like really, really good. Um, you know, there's been some questions, BC, because listen, man... This is happening in the shadow, you were here before when I wasn't here, of Tank versus Ryan. And and obviously those are going to be huge names in a way that despite the credibility of this fight and its stature, it's not going to be able to match that. I don't, and I don't think that's unfair to say, but at the same time, like, is there buzz here? Can you see it? Like, of 100% lobby was filled with, um, last night, with, with uh, boxing fans of all different varieties and yeah, dude, I'm pumped. Today's the weigh-ins. Should be a good day, I hope. Fingers crossed. God help me.
1: Oh, yeah, reminder, in fact, on those weigh-ins. 3 p.m. Eastern time later today, Showtime Sports YouTube channel. You're getting Kate Abdo, Luke Thomas, Ariel Helwani to set the stage. The final face-off between Spence and Crawford and Luke, if you caught Thursday's press conference, again, uh, it, it a little bit spicy here. I don't know if we're eating uh, crawfish Saturday night or if we're smoking bud uh knowing you uh at least one of the two but uh I'm gonna tell you this I got fired up when they were stirring it up yesterday at that press conference I didn't even get to catch the UFC one Luke although we'll have plenty of coverage on both today but man I am just like serve it all up to me Luke I'm ready okay
0: yeah yeah you know uh it's kind of funny lots of n-words at the press conference yesterday you know lots of those being flung around uh, in I mean you directions. told me
1: when when Izzy does that it's funny when Bud did that I was like whoa maybe we can back <laughs> off well, a little bit no, here. no no
0: I didn't say when Izzy does it it's funny I said when Izzy got in, in, into like the absurdity of getting in a white guy's face and then call, calling him that yes that is absurd it's, it's, it's wild uh, This was a little bit different I gotta tell you this is the camps have always been like respectful but whatever you know like the, a little bit of edginess but whatever not yesterday Not yesterday, dude. How about BOMAC getting fat shamed for like 45 minutes? I mean, it was really, you have to feel bad for old BOMAC, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, good old BOMAC right there. Uh, Reminder to the great people that... Service our show, and I'm sure you saw the social channels below of where you can follow us. Uh, Thank you to everybody for putting on this presentation today and for you for tuning in. If you want to wear merch, I don't have any on at the moment, but my whole closet is Morning Combat. That's morningcombat.store would be a fantastic chance for you to see what's going on. If you saw us on our bomber jackets on set on the MK Takeover on CBS Sports Network, you can be wearing that same thing. Hey, Rafian Stotts wears it, Luke. Uh, Vanessa Misedo slash Hardy wears the bomber jacket, okay? Why can't they? Why can't our people that are watching get on board and look stylish this summer? Wouldn't, wouldn't want to wear it yeah, in the summer, though. I think that's Yeah, the... I was going to say, hope you didn't bring that to Vegas with you because you won't be needing it. All right, as long as Luke's McDonald's Wi-Fi holds up, we have a fantastic show for you today. Okay, bet with our picks uh, final previews in the look ahead here. Some latest news, some dead wrongs on the other side. A reminder, you want 30 days of Showtime, you can go right now at Showtime.com. Get on board with what's going on there. 11 p.m. Eastern, Saturday night, by the way, Bellator versus Ryzen Part 2. You're going to need to see that on Showtime. And uh, also, you want to buy the pay-per-view. Heck yeah. Showtime.com slash PPV. You can watch Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, the biggest fight in boxing in nearly a full decade and one of the most historically significant ones when you're talking about unbeaten champion versus unbeaten champion for all, of the welterweight marbles. Luke, any final words before we get serious and drive this thing on home?
0: I'm barely gonna make it. I'm barely gonna make it,
1: yeah. All right. Well, hey, you know, (laughs) all right, okay, let's do it. Luke, topic number one, let's finish what we started here as we approach the big one, it is Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. Like I mentioned, all four titles at welterweight at stake. Potentially the number one pound-for-pound pound spot if the winner can look decisive enough to unseat in Iowa in a, in a way, just a few days, by the way, after his fourth title and a fourth weight class in his demolition of Stephen Fulton Jr. No shortage of stakes in your updated odds at the moment. are friends over there. At Caesars, let me let me dial this up. I'm going to tell you right now we're looking at this minus 145 Terence Crawford plus 130 the underdog Errol Spence. It's basically a 50-50 fight. Luke, do you ascribe the saltiness Thursday to anything from the press conference that's going to spill into Saturday's fight, or are these guys just on weight, cutting strong, and sick of the talk? It's time to get down to business.
0: They've done an absolute, I mean, I got to say, you know, what's kind of funny is like, um, is this the most media Crawford has done in his life? I'm being serious about that. It's got to be. Right? Like, there was all this talk when he was over there. And again, that's partly a function of the matchup of where he is, you know, in terms of being a top rank. And, uh, you know, there was a a lot of these conversations about how, bud was just you know and and listen he does give bland interviews that's not to say that that's not true he he does he gives bland interviews not all the time but obviously enough where it becomes something reputational but at the same time like dude he's been doing a ton of media most of it has been pretty good same with errol spence i've seen these guys everywhere crossover media boxing media you know you name it they've kind of done it all and they're cutting weight and i gotta tell you you know errol cuts a lot of weight in fact i think he even said he doesn't want to fight at 147 anymore, dude. Bud Crawford looked like he was having not a tough. No, excuse me. I don't I want. I don't want to suggest that it, like the weight cut is going to be the reason one guy wins or loses. But even old Bud wasn't having necessarily like the most fun in this weight cut either. And you know this is the guy that has. This is the you know we're talking about a guy who's moved up multiple weight classes. So I think between like the hour being upon us, the weight cutting, the the camps were all there together. It just got chippy, dude. It just got chippy. I think it'll blow over. I don't, you know, obviously by the fight, I think everyone will be all love and respect as they normally are. But, yeah, dude, it is getting hot in the in the desert here in Las Vegas. Like, yeah. No mistake about it.
1: So take off all your clothes. Look, I mean, that's the next prodding right there, right? Yeah. Uh, we saw, like we mentioned, some back and forth there. It's just all going to spill into magic Saturday night. I've, uh, You know, you and I really both, in every possible way, have diagnosed this fight from every possible angle and it's all telling you it's going to be close but it's going to be dynamic because they understand the stakes they've they've bought into the old school narratives of what this fight represents but in amendment we did find out speaking of weight to this rematch contract which is bilateral the winner or the loser can say yeah I want a second fight and a reminder that Terrence Crawford signed a three fight deal with Al Heyman and PBC in order to get into this fight but Luke we found out that the winner will be able to dictate ultimately what weight class the rematch would be in. And that's key because Spence, who is, like we said, you can see the weight cut, the challenges of it on him this week. He said this is the last one for him. So, Luke, when we see the weigh-in later today, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Showtime Sports YouTube channel, uh, aside from, hopefully, a fantastically intense face-off, we don't have any weight scares, though, right? We are two el- el- super elite professionals here.
0: Yeah, these guys are, I mean, dude, if you miss what... Have they ever missed weight? I don't think I've ever seen them miss weight. I don't believe so. Right. I mean, if you missed weight now, wow. That would be be extraordinary. I would not expect it in any way. No. None.
1: All right. Well, I had a chance to catch up very briefly on the satellite tour Wednesday with both fighters. Audio didn't come out to be spectacular like we would expect but it was interesting to hear where these guys are at you could see the intensity first i talked to uh, terrence crawford and the real hook here luke is we can't overlook this not only can you become the first four belt undisputed champion with the winner on saturday but crawford the former undisputed four belt champion at 140 pounds he can become the first male boxer to be undisputed in two weight classes this four belt era began in 1988 clarissa shields on the female side is an undisputed champion in two weight classes but for bud Yeah, this has an opportunity to launch him pretty deep into history. Here's Terrence Crawford's thoughts on what's really at stake Saturday. Well, if you get your hand raised, Terrence, you'll be the welterweight star of this era. You're already on your way to the Hall of Fame in terms of what you accomplished. But you said it off the top. You can become the first male boxer to be undisputed in two divisions. How would that, in your eyes, separate you historically with a win on Saturday?
0: step separated separate me uh, from a lot of fighters. You know, a lot of fighters can't say they were undisputed one time and they managed to make it in the Hall of Fame, uh, let alone twice. So to actually capture all the belts from my previous weight class and then do the same in my neck following weight class, it's, it's going to be amazing.
1: But a solemn man, a few words. Normally, you can see the, the the focus there ahead of this way cut here. But Errol Spence on the flip side. I got a chance to talk to him. He was a little bit in better spirits. But let's hear what Errol had to say as we close in to the big one here Saturday. Well, there's a sort of preset idea from the so-called experts coming in that he's more the boxer, maybe you more of the attacking, grinding puncher. We saw you do that against your Dennis Ugas, walk through him and finish him, but styles do make fights. Do you expect to be more the boxer, more the puncher in this one?
0: Um I'm gonna come. It's for me it's by
1: by any mean this series. Um if I gotta be the boxer, I'll be the boxer. If I gotta punch, I'll be the puncher. If I come forward, I'll come forward. So if I gotta stick my head in this shit, I stick my head in the shit. So it's by any this this series whatever I gotta do to win the fight. You know, and that's really the hook there, that both fighters can fight any every style, even if we are linking Spence more into the inside attacking pros of his recent bouts in Crawford. Switching stances, a magician who really can land those shots you don't see coming. Luke, we've really broken this down from every angle. I'm not going to belabor it, but how about this? Five years we've been waiting for this fight. So it's that all idea of what's it going to freaking look like when they finally touch gloves? Our eyes are going to be so tightly focused on that first round or, or the first two rounds. What are we looking to see from either one to let you know that they're in gear, they're carrying out their best game plan here early on Saturday?
0: All right, that's a great question. I think this is for the folks who are going to watch the fight. Here's, uh, listen, here's what I will be looking for. If you find this valuable, use it. On the Errol Spence side, what you're going to see is that he is very careful but pretty diligent with the jab through the first round, usually two. Now the jab won't go away, but what I mean is judicious, like coming from up here, coming from a little bit low, stab to the body, stab up high, use a couple different feints, kind of get the jab going. And then what you're going to notice if things are going well for Terence Crawford, excuse me, if things are going well for Errol Spence. What you will notice is that then the jab will, he'll use it to jab and then close distance and then begin to work to the body and then over and over again. And then, if that works by rounds three or four, he's really beginning to pour it on and get all of that offense in motion. And again, people say that Errol Spence is simple, but what they don't understand is he does one thing simple, then another thing simple, then another thing simple, then another thing simple, that's true, but then he weaves everything together all at once and that is in no way at all simple, that is what they fail to realize is how they weave. For Bud Crawford, here's what I'll be looking for. We know he is a notorious slow starter, but you have to imagine in a contest like this, he's gonna really wanna limit any kind of exposure early. So, to what extent is he getting cornered? To what extent is he on the move? To the extent that he's on the move, that's better for him. How quickly does he make an adjustment? And also, in every single Errol Spence fight, because the jab is so central to what he does, Everyone tries to come up with a different attack or some kind of answer for his jab. Let's see what that answer is. Errol will respond in kind, and then let's see what the response to that is on top of it. The battle of establishing the jab. If, if Errol Spence is having a hard time getting his jab really working for him by the fourth round, that would be very big trouble for him. That would be very big trouble. I'm looking to see those kinds of contours. Those kinds of contours will kind of tell you which direction it's going versus it's not.
1: Very well said there, and uh, I have a piece this week you can check out on CBSSports.com, not only detailing the new kind of inside info of what went down and the very famous, infamous Errol Spence-Floyd Mayweather sparring matchup from 10 years ago and how that really set a tone for Errol entering this biggest fight of his career, but there's a great quote in there from Leonard Ellerby basically talking about what makes Spence great. It's, it echoes what you said, Luke, about all those little, what we call basic things being put together How are you going to deal with a guy who Chris Algieri told me is the biggest welterweight he's seen since Tommy Hearns in terms of danger who has a 12-round gas tank and is going to be on top of you? But on that flip side, man, when Crawford switches up, he gets almost nastier as a southpaw. How quickly will that first switch come? Will we get multiple switches? I think, again, this is Spider-Man meme territory. Either guy, Spencer Crawford, has not faced another one on this exact level with this exact experience, danger, all of that. I think it's going to be a constant exchange of adjustments and just going to be a spectacular fight. Uh, to set the stage for the officials this weekend, Harvey Dock out of New York State going to be the referee for this one. This is a big assignment for him, but Harvey Dock, a very, if, if there's a strike zone with him as a referee, I'd say he's conservative, breaks him up early, very clean referee, doesn't allow a lot of outside stuff. Not that I necessarily think that we'll see that here in this matchup, but we do Well, hold on, Spence, BC,
0: hold on. Hold on, so this is actually pretty, pretty critical, like two, the speed with which the referee decides to break up the action could actually prove pretty influential. Because one of the things that Errol Spence is very good at is he'll get, typically, but not always, a right side underhook, and then he'll bang away with the left hand, and guys try to continue to wrap up with him. He's very good about forcing them away, and then fighting his way out of the clinch. There's a lot of times you'll see referees, when he clinches up with opponents, they'll start to move over to separate them, and by the time they get there, they stop, because Errol's working his way out. He gets a lot of extra offense through that meaningful offense. Not busy shots, really important parts Of his offense heavy body attacks heavy body shots right if the referee is breaking that up before he has a chance to do that that would heavily favor crawford in my mind
1: absolutely that was a point i was on my way to get to we've seen that before just look at the first mayweather maidana fight compared to the second one tony weeks more liberal you saw a lot of action and mauling Then when you get Kenny Bayless, who will break you up right away, that played into Floyd's hands. How will Harvey Dock's role play into that? He is a little bit more conservative. It is something to watch. But the one thing about Spence, though, his mauling is – it doesn't lean too much into being dirty now he's physical right i mean he's not afraid to bang you to the arms the shoulders all of that but you don't see a lot of those veteran dirty tricks a la bernard hopkins per se so maybe doc will let him fight maybe not that's something to watch closely and your three judges and the reason why this is important is because i'm telling you this is headed toward 12 and we're going to see a split whether or not it's actually a split or majority decision I expect people to have arguments either way because these are so evenly matched elite fighters. But it's Tim Cheatham, David Sutherland, and Steve Weisfeld who will get the call for this one. A respected trio. Luke, regarding the judges, not this, not in terms of their particularity and their styles, but just this. Uh, the busier fighter is Spence. Without question, Terrence Crawford has to make sure that he's not leaving stones unturned when it comes to this if it really is going to be a 12 round disputed decision as I'm predicting what do judges love forward motion and educated pressure nobody does that like Errol Spence at this level how's Crawford going to counteract that
0: right this is exactly it I mean there's a lot of people who make an argument BC and it's not a wrong argument or at least it's one you would have to take seriously which is that Dude, Bud Crawford has a little bit more razzle-dazzle to his game. He has a little bit more in the, in the arsenal that he could pull out. That Spence is a little bit, again, he does a lot of simple things and together makes them this sort of interesting symphony. But the jazz soloist here would be, in my judgment, Bud Crawford. But here's the thing. Even if you want to believe that, and again, I'm, I wouldn't really dispute that, actually. I think that's pretty true. But, but, if Errol Spence gets to work early and, let's say, bags four rounds, dude, I mean, that puts... Crawford in a substantial judging hole. It's not really at that point whether or not which guy is better. And also, like, this idea is like, oh, well, Bud's going to polish him off. I'll tell you what, uh, you know, BC, the... surprise would be a strong word. But I I got to tell you, like, I don't expect Spence. I, I I, can envision a world where Spence loses. I have a harder time envisioning a world where he gets that flat-out stopped for a guy who's never even touched the canvas yeah. before. I think people aren't really giving Spence some of his defensive Dues on this one so this is the thing it's like even if you think bud is a better boxer if he's fighting out of a deficit in las vegas and some of the other rounds are close that early two three maybe four rounds bc that could decide the entire thing and it played a huge role different because that was much worse but between teofimo lopez and vasily lomachenko where he just punted basically the first half he rallied very substantially but then kind of failed at the last round there as well dude bagging early rounds is such an advantage if it goes to the cards obviously
1: well look that was the same equation uh, for the last big super fight on this level meaning mayweather versus pacquiao in 2015 it was the exact same equation we said where floyd cannot take time to snapshot and make adjustments like for example that great porter versus crawford fight Porter did put Crawford in a deficit on the cards. But Crawford had that mentality of once I figure you out, I'm going to take you out. And good Lord, did he when it was time to do that. I don't think there's going to be that luxury in considering how evenly they are matched. So you go back to that Mayweather one. I said the same thing on the key to victory. You cannot punt rounds. What did Mayweather do? In the opening round, set shop up behind those big counter right hands and almost sent a message to Manny that if you attempt to try to overwhelm me with punches, I'm going to bring back flashbacks to that Marquez fight from 2012. I'm going to remind you, that equation, Luke, for Crawford is true. However he chooses to do it, you need to discipline Errol Spence. And it's not easy to straight-up discipline. And what I mean by that is pop him early enough to let him know he can't roll out the attack he's looking for. Spence typically bites down and walks through that. But whether it's to the body or whether it's just a set of message with a counter left cross, you have to get Spence thinking that there's a price to pay if you try to turn into that downhill mover against Crawford.
0: No doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. You, I mean, if dude, if Spence feels like he can just constantly move into you, ooh, that's, a, that's a bad place to be. I've never... I'll just say this outright. I've never seen anyone recover once Spence starts doing that to them. Basically, sure. You know, it's it's just it's over. Now, of course, none of those guys are Bud Crawford, and that deserves to be noted. Uh, but at the same time, man, once once he feels like he can close distance on you, and begin to just you know uppercut, left hook, right hook, push off, left hand, follow up, frame, push on the ropes, body shot, body shot. Dude, when he starts doing that, it's, it's, it's curtains for you. So Bud really got to be on his horse, really got to be c- careful with his movement, really got to find a way to get Spence confused, slow down, can't work the jab, all critical.
1: Later in the show, we're going to have our Spence Crawford main event picks. We're going to have our UFC 291 picks. Don't forget, Wednesday's episode of Morning Combat, that was our extended UFC 291 preview. Went nearly an hour on all the fights that matter, so go back and revisit that. We'll have our picks shortly. Look, before we transition out of Spence Crawford, I did want to mention this pretty good pay-per-view main card, four fights in all, 8 p.m. Eastern. Don't forget that early start time to what we're used to for Spence Crawford Saturday night. Couple decent storylines. One, how about this? Nonito Donaire, the great future Hall of Fame multi division champion, still going at 40 despite the violent knockout loss to Niowa Inouye in their rematch last year. Now he's fighting for another Bantamweight title. When Inoue moved up to 122 to fight Fulton, four titles got released back into population. Donaire's taking on Alejandro Santiago. But, Luke, the the bigger storyline is what what he said in the the press conference. Nonito said, for the first time in my career, this is for me. And I think what he's referencing is his dad was his longtime trainer on the buildup for his career. His wife, who is also a a combat sports participant herself, Rachel, has been his manager and eventually his trainer. It's been all like a family business, all they've known. But now Nonito's like, look, I still got something in the tank. I still want to show it. This is almost like the equivalent of the retired NBA player playing rec ball to stay active and stay fit because he has the passion for the game. Only it's still real boxing. There's still a world title on the line. And if you look at the odds, Nonito is the favorite here at minus 150 against the plus 120 Santiago. You want to talk about your stat in MMA on how hard it is over 35 in the small weight classes to stay relevant. This guy's 40 and he's been through the wars, we've counted him out so many times. He's still here, how inspiring is that? Considering you are washed, 43, and you feel like a bag of bones after your flight to Las Vegas.
0: Yeah, I mean, I need to just, someone send this to my daughter in 10 years and make sure that she knows that I'm apologizing for shortening my lifespan by doing shit like this. Uh, I can't believe he's out here doing this, dude. I I can't believe that like, and to your point, not just that, that he's 40 and everything else. Coming off of like, you know, in a way he just ran over him in the rematch, right? Like, like just demolished him. And here he is in a co-main event fighting for a title in Las Vegas, dancing, dancing at the open workouts. Couldn't be happier. You know, he's still, BC, it's like, you know, I don't want to be one of these guys who is like, oh, he still wants it. Let's let him go and have it, you know? But, but can you really say, BC, that like we can fully count him out? Can you really say he doesn't still have something to offer can you really say he doesn't have that spirit that is like a competitive fire in him and then you add that to the ability i i worry about 40 and no matter who it would be obviously in a in a in a line of work like this but i don't know man donaire has got dude his second or whatever whatever career wind this is it he he has made it largely believable about what he can achieve i'm excited to see him on saturday i can't believe it
1: I mean, this is 118 pounds. Now, he's gone as high as featherweight, 126, and we can remember him getting knocked out in big fights against big punchers and thinking that was the end of it, only that was like seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years ago, and he's still at it, man, and still a favorite. A lot of it is that power. He talked about the old man's strength on Thursday. He said he's putting so much more thought, emotion, and experience into every big punch. Wow, that old man's strength's still there. Briefly as well, Luke, Esau Cruz, who pushed uh, Durante Tank Davis as a late replacement a few years ago. That's his only defeat. He's taken on Giovanni Cabrera. He still wants the tank rematched as Isak Cruz. But did you hear the trash talk between them? Cabrera's unbeaten and he had some corny jokes and Cruz is just basically like, dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out there and silence you. This is looking to be like that potential banger on the undercard that we have to watch because Cruz has had enough of Cabrera's BS. He wants to go out there and throw hands.
0: Bro, I you know, I respect Cabrera's um I respect that he's not backing down from a tough opponent, but let there be no mistake, Isak Cruz is a tough opponent, man. They, you know, he's got that sort of classic kind of come-forward Mexican style, but he is an absolute tank in there. Speaking of which, Tank fought this guy and won, and won, but, dude, could had a hard time keeping Isak Cruz off of him. You know, what do I... You know, And, and Tank can punch, obviously. We know that a lot. What does cabrera have that's going to keep cruz off of him candidly i'm not sure dude and i and i think Isak cruz he was like you, you know you could see him gritting his teeth and his jaw when they were facing off i think i think cabrera's in for a rude awakening on this one
1: yeah cabrera had real bad jokes too he's like i'm gonna cook you up and and eat you like people tacos Tacos made out of people. i like, what was a soiling green here dude? Back off! All right, Luke. Topic number one right there, Spence Crawford. Our picks to come. Topic number two. We didn't actually hit this in a real variety, and it's going down Saturday on one of the crowziest, crowdiest, crowdest, crowdiest, uh days in combat history. Luke, it's Bellator versus Rising, part two. 11 p.m. Eastern time Saturday night. On Showtime, regular Showtime, and look, there's a lot of cool storylines here, unfortunately, as we reported on Wednesday's show. A.J. McKee now out of this card and by proxy, the 155-pound World Grand Prix Tournament. He was supposed to take on former champion Patrick Fri- Friere, Friere, Friere Pitbull. How about I think, Pitbull. I think it's okay. pronounced
0: Guy Fieri.
1: There it is. I knew I had it. Uh, but not only will Patriki still be fighting, he'll be taking on Roberto de Souza, who we know, Luke, and also his brother, Pitbull Patricio, or maybe in the other direction. Uh, you, you he's also that making up. a quick you turnaround to come back
0: completely. And-
1: I did it backwards, Luke. I was trying to get some Spanish flair on there or maybe some Italian flair. I've been my wife's been awake with me watch a lot of YouTube videos on traveling to Italy, Luke. That's her new thing. I mean, am I going to have fun there, Luke?
0: A substantial amount of fun, depending on where you go. Yes.
1: All right. All right. So, yeah, so apparently we do have uh, this. But let's talk first about what is this main event. AJ McKee, in a second fight at lightweight, taking on former champion Patricki is interesting. That's not what we're getting. But do you like Patricki versus Roberto D'Souza as a fill-in opportunity here?
0: As a fill-in opportunity, I would. I mean, listen, they're doing what they can given the circumstances, right? But do I love the fight or I think it's, like, amazing? It's fine. It's fine. It's absolutely fine. And given what, they, again, this is really the most important context, given what they were up against this is probably the best they could hope for. What I would say is it is obviously a massive loss that AJ McKee was unable to compete in the lightweight Grand Prix going forward, right? That that really is a, a loss because there was some hope one way or the other you could find a way to get uh, McKee and Nurmagomedov together, right? These sort of like the young guns of Bellator kind of knocking heads. That really would have been awesome, especially since he was moving up a weight class and everything. You lose that, you lose that potential. So that part sucks. Pitbull is the old, the, the the bigger pitbull is certainly. Um, what do you want to say? He's heavy-handed. He's you know relatively well-rounded. D'Souza much better on the ground, but not much better overall. At least he shouldn't be. So I still think Pitbull should win this, especially since since uh, Satoshi is coming in on late notice. But uh, a fine fight. It's uh, certainly a. I, I have nothing bad to say about it, but it doesn't. They're just working with, you know, they, they got they got dealt a bad hand, and this is the best they
1: could make of it, you know. You may be surprised by the odds here, though, Luke. The reality for Patriki is, even though he was recently the lightweight champion, he has lost three of four overall. He split those fights with Peter Queeley, getting the title in the second one after the injury in the first. But he got absolutely dominated by Umar Nurmag- I'm sorry, not Umar, um, by Usman Nurmagomedov, off to the changing of the hands there at lightweight. Yet D'Souza... Coming off a victory over Spike Carlisle, who fought AJ McKee recently, and a loss to AJ McKee a year ago at the first Bellator Rising card. And the Oddsmakers like D'Souza close though, minus 175, plus 145 for Patricky Frede. So Luke, now that we know the oddsmakers like the 30-year-old 30-year-old D'Souza. Is he alive out in any way in this bracket? I mean, you just mentioned Perci might actually be the more well rounded fighter. Fights have to go to the ground for de souza to 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 make some noise here, but when we get late replacements in a tournament, think Daniel Cormier not necessarily making the same comparison here but trying hard to uh, maybe De Souza becomes the lightning rod that subs in there and makes stuff happen
0: it would be fun I mean if you can like when when he is doing his all of the stuff that makes him dynamic as a jiu-jitsu player, right, really sort of aggressive. He's sort of, I mean, this is not totally fair, but he's really known for aggressive guard attacks, but he can do much more than that. But, you know, when he's using, let's just say, aggressive offensive jujitsu, jitsu yes, it's a lot of fun to watch. And would it be interesting to see him match up with other different players in this potential tournament if he's able to advance? Sure, I actually think that would be a pretty cool and interesting storyline. Um, but let's just see what he's got given the circumstances and everything else, you know.
1: Looking in that co-main event, the inaugural Bellator Flyweight Championship out when former Bantamweight King Kyoji Horiguchi moves down and takes on former two-time Ryzen Bantamweight Champion Makoto Takahashi. Interesting setup and storyline with Bellator opening up a new division here at 125. We know... Horiguchi's world-class, and Vegas likes him big, minus 450 over Makato. Are you expecting here, the inaugural champ, to to end up being Horiguchi, who's been a little bit feast or famine of late? A little bit.
0: Yeah, but against guys much better than this. Yeah, that's right. Against guys much better than this. Against this level of competition, which is sturdy, but pretty clearly a step or two down from Horiguchi. I would be very surprised if Horaguchi. I mean, I think we have to realize that we like Horaguchi had like a bit of a moment in UFC, then left, and then had some really bright spots, you know, beating Darian Caldwell and blah blah blah, but um, you know, losing to Pettis in the way that he did, and then getting you know beaten by Patchy Mix, and you know, you can go on and on. There's been times where you're like, huh, maybe there's a limit to this as well. Going back to 125, I think is going to be absolutely great for him. It's a much better weight class than I think 135. The fact that he could compete as well as he did in 135. Was remarkable, but you know he. I, I think he maximized what was capable up a weight class. I, I believe he'll have a different ceiling in this one, and from what we've seen from Mokotoshin Shinrayu, I, I just don't see what on that level he's got over Horaguchi. Horaguchi sh- should w- This would be surprising. Horaguchi losing this one would be surprising. Yes.
1: Now, look, the inaugural title is at stake here. That main event is part of the lightweight Grand Prix. We do have Patricio, uh, the the, the at reigning and defending featherweight champion, coming back to take on a Japanese kickboxer. But there's some real jewels when you dig down this card for Saturday evening, 11 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. How about this bantamweight tilt? Magomed, Magomedov, he's lost two of three to the two best fighters in this division here when we're talking about Patchy Mix and Rafian Stotts very arguably He's taking on Danny Sabatello, who recently rebounded from his Grand Prix loss to Rafian Stotz. Interesting one to find out who's coming or going here, Luke. Uh, Sabatello opens here as a 2-1 to favorite. Do you think Magomed, Magomedov has sort of, I don't know, found his limit, found his ceiling within the and Bantamweight division? Or do you, you think he's a live dog entering to this one against Sabatello, who's got that one gear, but that gear works?
0: The thing is, is Sabatello's wrestling is so overwhelming. Right? It's so overwhelming, but the big knock we all know has been like, okay, the positional control, 100% there. But where's the ground and pound? Where's the sub-attempts? And it's only when there's a big skill disparity do you see more of that. Now, I'm hoping that that he can, you know, find different methods of control to allow him to open up the rest of his offensive game more. Mehmed, um, you know, he's got a lot of the right pieces. But he doesn't really have that ace in, uh, up his sleeve, or what, uh, what? What is the fucking expression anymore, dude? I can't even think right. Um, ace but he in doesn't the have hole? that I ace in the know. hole. Yeah, trick up his sleeve, whatever, whatever it is. I'm sorry, dude. I can't even think right. I'm so tired. I'm just trying to point out, he's got the well-rounded kind of sambo game, you know, that is very useful against a lot of different types of guys. But against Sabatello who's got really strong positional control. I think that's going to be tough unless Sabatello keeps... Like, what you have to ask yourself is, is Sabatello the new Darian Caldwell? Guys who can get all the positional control in the world but don't have much offense behind it. This is a big fight for Sabatello to show us that he can get past that. We'll see if he does.
1: Yeah, this is very, very interesting fight in a lot of ways. I mean, I I thought... You know, Magomed, Magomedov had, had a real shot here entering this tournament. But, Luke, he did get out-wrestled by Stots before the tournament in a close fight that proved that there are limits to his own ground game. And then, dude, Patchy Mix just, I mean, put him to sleep, but, but just absolutely steamrolled him. He needs a big win. I wonder if he tries his best to keep this on the feet. At some point, sabatella has got to bring something on the feet. Really. You know what I mean? Like he's got his step. I don't, no, up that I, level I disagree. Of game. I
0: don't. I don't even care about really? that part. Like I mean, well, listen. I mean, obviously, would it be great if he had a stand-up game? Of course, of course. I don't mean to suggest otherwise. But what I'm saying is, for him to get to the next stage of where he wants to go, he doesn't necessarily need a bunch of that. Now, of course, distance closing, protecting yourself, you know, moving around the cage, all the parts of striking that are valuable, that can also complement your wrestling. Yes, he does need those things, and sooner rather than later. I'm just pointing out, if you just took his game and then gave him some slightly different setups for control and then asked him to do ground and pound and you could see it really open up, dude, that would take him to another place. It's like Mackenzie Dern. You know, if you just give her a couple of takedowns that were really reliable, high percentage, dude, what would she do with that? She'd fuck people up. You know what I mean? We're, so it's kind of like yeah. that. It's got, it's got so much things of the ingredients of success, but not that spice, not that, not that BC sauce. We need some of that BC sauce on there. You know what I'm saying? So let's wow, get some of that. Wow,
1: that's sauce. Right, right. Man, they were fat-shaming Bomek big time yesterday. Like, I, did you hear them? They were like, man, I bet you. They are like, we're gonna, it's going to be a Crawford fish fry on Saturday, and I bet you Bomek's got his spices ready. He's already in line waiting. It's like, <laughs> yo, come on. Come on, bro. No, I did laugh uncontrollably at that. Dude, too, they posted yeah, post, uh, right
0: know, For folks who don't know, because uh, I know there are some MMA fans being like, who's Bomek? Bomek is the trainer of... Bud Crawford, and he's, what do you want to call him, B.C.? Heavyset, I think is a fair way to put it. Um, and Spence and his team will, like, regularly call him names and then post pictures of him eating food, like, ingloriously. And then yesterday at the presser, they just they just stopped. They Dude, there was two hours of them calling the guy fat. I mean, it was unbelievable. Anyway, let's talk the Bellator. Horizon. It was,
1: like, so lame, but yet I, 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 I don't know. I mean, by the way, we found out that Bomac was a journeyman heavyweight who once fought Butterbean and lost a four-round decision. I was like, wow. Wow. Dude, but, All right. th- King listen, of the, the four rounders, indeed.
0: But people sleep on Butterbean. Butterbean will put 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 hands on you, boy. They'll put hands on you.
1: Oh God, Butter Butterbean will turn the lights off on anybody. Uh, Larry Holmes almost found out. All right, Luke, the final card because we're, we're gonna get Kana Nabi, Vita Ortega, and the women's flyweight division. But the final bout on the five fight main card of Bellator MMA versus Ryzen two on Showtime, and the reason why I'm setting it up that way is this is a weird card that will air parts of it elsewhere. It's a really interesting welterweight rematch. So Andre Koreshkov, Spartan, one of my favorite MMA fighters, former welterweight champion, had a lot of time off with injury, had, did come back and scored two resounding knockouts in 2022. But the last time Koreshkov lost was a 2019 split decision to Lorenz Larkin. So they're going to run it back, but they're going to run it back at a time that the 36-year-old Larkin is... I'm beating his last eight fights. Like he's quietly making a run across two divisions here in Bellator. I love all everything about this rematch, including the stakes, dude. Koreshkov comes to knock your face in and cave it, Luke, as viral and violent as that can be. Uh, But this man had his number in the past. What are you expecting?
0: I'm not sure. Larkin had. I mean, Larkin went over to Bellator with a great fanfare and then kind of had a real quiet career. Uh, at first, and then you know, it didn't get quite the wins that we had expected. But to your point, really turned it around of late. Has looked fantastic. Some of the best he's ever really looked. Still looks pretty quick, which has always been a part of his game. You know, like I'm saying, he hasn't lost necessarily a whole lot despite the age. Koreshkov. I mean, what do I need to say about him? How, look what he did to the ribs of Chance Rencounter. Just completely shattering multiple of them with a single kick. One of the most brutal finishes I've ever seen in MMA you know so these guys are absolutely capable of violence i think that lorkin is a little bit this is the central tension bc lorkin is a little bit more the smooth operator smooth operator and then koreshkov a little bit more of the right a little bit more of the violence quotient guy a little bit more kind of bring that hardcore kickboxing style to you when he needs to it so it'll be it'll be a real test of lorkin's um, if he really is still as refined as we think he is, he's going to have to lean on that to get past a guy like this. This might be the best one, the best fights all, all weekend, candidly. And hey,
1: Mikey. You- Mikey Mormont, I was quick to remind Luke, I don't know if you've seen documentary number three in the Morning Combat series, but when we were at Bellator and Lawrence Larkin came on set and just disrespected the shit out of me over not having him ranked at the time as I'm one of the Bellator voters. But he wasn't even, he had switched divisions. He wasn't even eligible on the computer system to vote for, but uh, hey, it fueled him, Luke, and that's fine. I got sent to hell that weekend a few times until Ashley gave us all COVID and we had to escape the arena.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, I've had a, I've had a nice week of being sent to hell m- multiple times as well. So uh, they are—they uh, come around all the time.
1: So it's a five-fight main card on Showtime on Saturday night, 11 p.m. Eastern, but that's only the beginning of that fight. There's going to be an intermission. and During that intermi- intermission, Tofiq Musayev is going to be out there. Patricio Pipples, as I mentioned, is going to take on Chihiro Suzuki in a catchweight bout at 154 pounds. And then the ending of it is a Super Ryzen 2 fight pay-per-view card that's going to air on Fight TV, and there's going to be some title bouts. Juan Archuleta will be on there, and a lot of names, Luke, I cannot pronounce. Anything else to say about this Bellator versus Ryzen Superfest we got going
0: on? It's getting overshadowed because there's a fantastic UFC event. It's getting overshadowed because there's a fantastic boxing event. But this card, on its own merits, especially after having suffered a little bit of injury, is still worth your time. Try to find uh, time to, to see it. Try to make time to see it. Good fighters in some quality bouts. Again, Bellator moving into the flyweight division. There's a lot to like here.
1: Now, I know Big John McCarthy no-sold my attempt that time that we had them in that basement of that weird motel in uh, Norwich, Connecticut. And that I was like, look, like Big chlorine. John. like chlorine? Yeah, I know. Big, yeah, it smelled badly like chlorine. Uh, chlorine and body odor. Uh, but not on Big John. He always smells great, Luke. But I did ask him, look, Big John, you've been to so many places in Japan where I'm sure the hotels were small and the air, you know, the airplane was tight. Um you gotta have stories about you know disrespecting a restroom and just maybe just shutting it straight up and down. And Luke, he know he know sold the shit out of me, but then he just posted from Tokyo a picture of a sushi chef, and you're like, uh, BC, I guarantee he blew up the John after that. Big John, we see you. We know what's going on out there. Okay, you okay, you know what I'm saying? I know you can't you can't hide from me. I know what's happening. We
0: took it all do you really have explosive dumps from sushi? You know, I was thinking about that. Maybe not.
1: That uh, no, no. Come on, a uh, guy like Big John is gonna go Moreglio over any restroom he can find in Tokyo, Luke, and I respect that about him. He's a fine. I mean, if
0: you have a smash burger, that the then then for sure you're just gonna absolutely wallop that commode. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed, Luke. Topic number three is uh, recent <laughs> I'm, fight announcements. So ti- I'm so
0: tired, I can't even think straight. I can't.
1: Uh, recent fight announcements that have got us popping here in the UFC, Luke. Are you feeling that same movement down below? Raphael Faziv versus Mateus Gamrot, September 23rd. A fight night five-round main event in the lightweight division. Your thoughts?
0: Well, the only things I've been feeling in my stomach these days are regret, shame, and diarrhea. So I don't know. But if you're asking about this particular fight, Raphael Faziv and Mateus Gamrot, September 23rd, Dude, what is there not to like about this? Both guys we thought were kind of like, oh, here they come. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna move to the top of the division, and they got pretty close, but then came up a little short, did they not? Yes, they did. Benil Dariush, obviously pushing back a little bit on Mateusz Gamrot. In the case of Faziv, I thought he was gonna cruise past Gaichi. Gaichi rallied in one of the most, just I mean, super commendable performance from him. So now these guys kind of got to figure it out. Striker versus grappler. Uh, both of them hard nosed. Both of them for the most part high pace. I mean. If you don't like this fight, you just don't like MMA. I don't know what to tell you.
1: There it is, just like that, that easily. Can't wait to see that. Both have suffered losses in trying to step up. Let's see how they bounce back. The same night, by the way, Bryce Mitchell versus Dan Ige at Bantamweight, considering Bryce Mitchell looking to make some noise and make a comeback after that big step-up loss. And Dan Ige just putting wins together every time I count him out, Luke. That could be fireworks right there, especially if those purple marks on Bryce's shoulder have recovered. What, what, did, we, did we ever find out what that was? Mm-mm. I mean, it could be no? just, like, maybe a pen cap fell off in his trailer, Luke, and he leaned his arm on it, and, like, all the ink ran all over it and stained it. Like, that guy eats uh, coffee grounds like he chews them, Luke. You ever seen well, that? Well, again. Just,
0: yeah, yeah, no, 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 I have seen that. I've talked about this, dude. In the, in the MREs we used to get, we would get the coffee, and it would be the worst coffee on Earth. And there would be, you know, what are you going to do? Are going to make like a nice cup of joe in the field in the morning? Like, you know, that would never seem realistic to any of us. So we would just take it and then just dump it in our gums and then get the caffeine jolt from that. Um, so I understand that a little bit. It's not, you know, it's a bit of a heathen method, yeah. but it does work. It does work. But in all seriousness, the Bryce mitchell Danny Ige fight, I mean, what is there not to love? Bryce Mitchell, I think, has some questions to answer, you know, uh, after that loss to... Um, Taporia, you know, but he, obviously we know he still has fantastic ability. And BC, we should also note, he's got a little bit of that Dagestani style of top control where he wraps the legs, shelves them, controls them, limits movement, and then goes for the wrist rides, and then begins to work the ground and pound. Danny Ige, a black belt himself, uh, I, I think a significantly better striker, but you know, well-rounded as well. Both guys still... Haven't reached their full potential. Faced a couple of setbacks against the guys in the elite of that division, and they really want to get back there. Love this contest. Love it.
1: Yeah, I, I got, I got nothing but love for that one. Let's go to October fourteenth. Edson Barbosa, Sadiq Youssef. Wow. Can yeah. I? Yeah, I will. I will, Luke. I will. Yeah. Yeah.
0: BC, what was the last time Sadiq Youssef fought? I don't have my, I don't have that in front of me. Um, I'd be curious to know if, if, uh, if Mikey could tell us. I don't have it here right in front of me, but uh, it's great to see him back, a guy who I think has had outstanding ability, a fantastic kickboxer. Um, but, you know, in my judgment, for as good as he is, for as athletic as he is, I don't think he's reached his full potential even close. I think there's a lot of growth still left possible for him. And for Barboza, it seems like it's quite the opposite. Like He's kind to hang on to what's left, but still a dangerous foe. You know they're going to strike it out. A lot to like here. These three matchups, man, there is a lot to like in these announcements, big
1: time. Well, Youssef hasn't fought since October of last year, but he is on a really nice run outside of that Arnold Allen loss in totality. But aren't you forgetting didn't Edson Barbosa just blow our doors in recently, Luke? And he was in like the best shape of all time. Yeah, Billy Q, that knee to the face in yes. round one in April. I, I'm I, look, he's not young, okay? He's you know, and he's moving weight classes, he's 37. But, dude, the commitment to the fitness and the diet that Barbosa talked about after that last fight, and you look back at the version of him that we saw, I'm not counting out another—I'm seri- I'm serious right now. I'm not counting out some kind of, like, couple-fight run where Barbosa just keeps sending people to hell, Luke. It's not over right now. I'm telling you it's not over. No, Billy no, no. Q, so our okay, our guy, found that out.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Billy Q, also a very talented fighter. I, so let me be clear. It's not to say that Barboza is so done that like you just can't take seriously his threats anymore. That's not what I mean. I think he's done as a title contender, right? But he's not done as a credible threat to other ranked fighters. And so this is a tough yeah, test. He's this still in the a F guy round you have to, have to take seriously. Part of his career. 100%, 100%, yeah, yes. You you... By the way, did you see Tony Ferguson, what he said Unbelievable. yesterday? Unbelievable. He said, he's like, Yeah, uh, look, he's uh, in you know, the prime fi- of his career. Yeah, people being like, you know, maybe Tony knows something we don't. And I'm like, well, listen, MMA is chaotic. Tony always comes in shape. And I think that, you know, you'd be foolish to say he has no shot. But at the same time, he's on, what, a five, six fight losing streak, some of it quite bad. He's 39 years of age at 155. Like, five fights, uh, you know, five fights at the title shot seems unrealistic. I don't know if you can hear me.
1: Luke, sorry, my dog, my wife's dog, my wife's dog is barking, Luke. There's a, you know, there's a stranger outside and it's, just, you know, I mean, you know, it's offensive, Luke, but I think she means well at the end of the day. Uh, you all right, Luke Thomas? Hopefully you're okay there. I, you know, your analysis has been keeping me going here, but let's move on to topic number four. Hey, Robbie Lawler might not actually be done. He had. What people are calling, not arguably, some people are saying that's the greatest walk-off moment to end your career in UFC history is knockout of Nico Price. But he was on the MMA Hour with your teammate, Ariel Hawani at least your teammate this weekend. And here's what Robbie said, quote, I definitely have more left in me. It's just one of those things where you figure it out. I just can't do as much as I used to. That's the thing. I can't train the way I want to train. I'm like the guy who likes to do extra. And now it's like, hey, just relax. You know how to fight. Let's just go out there and fight. So that's the hard part because I like to work. I like to work out. I like to lift. I like to do these things. Hey, Robbie, you can keep working out, bro. The question is, can you get back out there? Should you get back out there? Luke, I don't even know if we have you here, but I'd say I'm this. Here. I'm here. I, I would never want to ruin the ultimate happy ending, Luke, and that's what Lawler had. Went out on his own terms. Went out on ABC with a video package ready and an early knockout of a credible opponent. But it did look like he's got something there and something left. I don't know what to do with this information. But if he wants to soldier on, you know, I'll, I'll be there because I think he's the, my favorite fighter I've ever watched in the cage for entertainment. He is. What do we do with I, this information?
0: I would hate to see him come back. I mean, not in the sense of, uh, you know, could he still win and give you something fun? Of course. Of course he could. I, the, the idea that he's done winning is not true. That's not why you retire from Fight Sports I mean, some guys retire from fight sports because they're incapable of basically winning on any way that matters. Robbie is not. And so in that sense, he is not done. However, like, it's just not going to go better next time. You know, if you want to leave the the game the way he left triumphantly, uh, you know, who would obviously be against that? But if you do this again and you go back, I'm not saying it will necessarily be a disaster, But the chances of leaving on your hands and knees are significantly higher. Significantly higher. Um, You cannot top what he did. Almost no one's going to be able to top what he did in terms of the career and then the exit and then the adoration everything. Leave it alone. Go coach. Go do something else. Take a boxing fight. I don't know. But don't do this. Don't come back. No.
1: I know. That's the sensible take. It really is. It's the the right take. It's the right take. I don't know why I'm suddenly on this ledge, but I guess I just enjoyed seeing Robbie – enjoy that so much and was blown away by the moment. But, you know, Kobe, RIP, Luke also scored 60 in his final game. That doesn't mean his body was going to hold up for another season. Okay, fighting right. is sometimes a little bit differently, but you're also one fight away from one fight too many at any point. Uh, Dude, interesting. He, well, he
0: fought as a pro for over 20 years. Nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm super good. The yeah. fight game, will the longer you stay in, the more it will take from you. It already took a lot. He already gave a lot. I'm good. I'm fully good. I
1: think I think Robbie should get into competitive um, endurance things, events. Like, remember when Lance Armstrong couldn't cycle anymore, Luke, because he took every substance possible and disgraced his name <laughs> and got banned? And he's like, I'm just going to take up elite marathon running. And I'm like, you know what? That's probably a nice transition. Maybe that, Maybe that's in the future for Robbie, or maybe go under the knife and finish that tattoo above his ass, Luke. Well, I mean, what, I
0: would be a big, I would be, I would be in favor of that. Yes, I would be in favor of that. Go get that, go get that thing, finished.
1: Would you, if he called you for tramp stamp consulting, you would, you would help him out with that?
0: Yeah, I would just tell him to get it covered up.
1: Yeah. You're like, actually, Robbie, the man thing would do is to cover the entire cheek, all of it. You <laughs> know, in fact, you want to look. Are the, is there, is there a thing as grundle tatting? or when people do the full ass cheek, which is your preference? It's really just the ass cheek, right?
0: Why would they tattoo the thing between your hmm and your hmm? Like, I don't understand that. Why would they do that?
1: <laughs> because of art, Luke. Why would you tattoo <laughs> your ass is really the original Dude, question. because, okay, because okay, it changes your... Dude,
0: the, I don't know why you are so resistant to, like, geometry. It changes the dimensions needle, of the canvas. needle into my
1: grundle? Yeah. BC, I get that. BC, Three times, it changes, Luke, it was the worst it, BC, day of my life.
0: BC, your belt line is not natural. That's just what we have ascribed for wearing clothes. It changes the canvas when you open up the lengths of what you can really, do with Leverking? a single picture on okay. top. You know, BC. Right. Here's the best part. Until I'm I right on you. this one. This is why. This is why like ancient arts all do it this way. For some reason, it just sounds weird to you. So you have you got some like weird, uh, you know, cultural taboo about it. Like, well, I don't want a, someone touching my ass. It's, I mean, fine, don't get one, but, like, you have to at least understand that it changes the dimensions of the canvas and, therefore, what you can do. Like, this is very straightforward.
1: Okay, but until I see you do this show in a loincloth, not that I'm asking for that, I'm not going to hear your <laughs> takes on society. Impl- There's no such thing in days and months. It's just society. Life is li- limitless, and, and time is I, nothing. I mean, I don't, I don't know,
0: what know what any okay. of these words that you're putting together mean, but I don't, you know, it's okay. Yes.
1: Uh, no, I do not want my ass checked chat my ass cheeks tatted thank you thank you very much okay Uh, i don't look maybe i'll never get a tattoo and you know i don't care whatever actually i was i was pretty close on this mk bet uh you know sean brady if sean brady would have would have beat Bilal, i would have had to you know so maybe we blame maybe we blame sean brady for my body staying you know sacred
0: remember the name bc uh dude i've told you about this you can get the there's a company like they're everywhere but there's one in dc called i think ephemeral tattoo obviously ephemeral means like fleeting or something, uh, where the tattoo only lasts for a couple of years and then naturally goes away. You could do that.
1: It's an interesting thought. It's an interesting idea.
0: You could get know, a big... Luke. You could get... You remember Chili Willie? Remember Chili Willie, the penguin?
1: The last time I allowed this many needles to enter my body, I lost my libido and self-respect, Luke, okay? So I don't. I don't know, you know? <laughs> That's just my story. dude. We
0: should just, you know, we should we should have just done a whole show like uh, the two Canadians
1: in South Park who just fart on each other the whole time. What was their name? Oh, see, when we were kids, that was called Strange Brew with the McKenzie brothers. I think that's the original model. No, right? no, yeah. no, no, no,
0: no. Like yeah. the two characters in South Park, the, the uh, Terrence and Philip. Yeah, Terrence uh, just fart on each other. That's you know yeah, what I
1: mean? Mikey. Failing us out. That's great, Luke. I don't know those two, but it, that sounds very Beavis and ButtHead to me, or very BC and LT. Topic number five, Luke. Here's an interesting thing. Derek Lewis is gonna be fighting this weekend. He may even show up in our OK bet picks coming right around the corner. But the heavyweight is back. He talked to ESPN's Brett Okamoto, Luke. I mean, one of one of the better looking journalists, according to Joanna, right? You know. You know no, no, no no
0: no no uh, no no. Here's what they're according to you. <laughs>
1: Can I not be friends with the man and not, and not you know, and it's not about that, Luke, okay? But if Brett does tat his ass, I'm out. Just so you know that, all right? Here's the no, deal. If Here's Brett the tats quote. his ass,
0: you're all the way in. I mean, I couldn't imagine something that would get you more in.
1: No. All right, anyway, uh, they were talking about BMFs, right? The BMF title on stake this Saturday in the main event. Here's the quote from Lewis. You're asking the wrong guy that question, Lewis said with a laugh. I don't really even know these fighters. Let me see. I just know him by faces and skin color. Of course I know John Jones. I believe he's one of the top. Anderson Silva, the third guy, let me say, I must say myself, Luke, he was asked his top three BMF fighters in history, people that embody the spirit of that title being made, first for Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz, now for a rematch of Justin Gaethje, Dustin Poirier. So for Derek Lewis, his three all-time BMFs are John Jones, Anderson Silva, and himself, I mean, I'm not saying John Jones and Anderson Silva aren't bad mother effers. Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about uh, UFC. But I will say I don't think they necessarily fit the full spirit of the title in this uh, this deliation. Deliation? De- Chris Delia? Um, Luke? Consequently, irregularly, skits irreversibly. Skits and bits. <laughs> No, no, that that's actually not a skit bit. I just can't talk. Um,
0: More skits and bits. do you think, Amazing.
1: Okay, that was an accidental skit and bit. Just See a lot of times, Luke, I end up on Reddit boards cuz people are like, "Oh, this guy, this guy hates shop. I'm not even doing shop jokes. I just can't talk myself, right? I know what it's like, Luke. I Well, the I best part is college. is like what I right, yeah, here's, here, here's what happens.
0: Dude, here's what happens to me. I'll miss the skits and bits. This happened for a long time. I missed them all. I didn't even know what the reference. I mean, even to this day i miss missed some. But then when I miss them, people uh, message me. They message me be like, "Yo, you missed this one." So now I can't unsee some of this shit, you know what I mean? Yeah. Thanks a lot, BC. Look, Thanks a lot.
1: I don't hate Brendan Schaub. I just like comedy, okay? I just like comedy. That's I know, it I know. You're not a Here horrible person. Who are, your, who are your top three BMFs? I don't necessarily want to say history. I mean, I guess it could be history, but really, who, which three fighters do you think best embodies what the UFC is trying to say this weekend by bringing back this belt?
0: Here's the problem with the BMF belt for me a little bit. They want it to be something less than the title, like the weight class title, right? It's because it's silver, right? They're like, they're like, you know, they're telling you it's not quite the same. But they still want it to be like the, like the standard elite guys who fight for it because that's obviously where the star power is and, you know, those guys are obviously really good. Nate and Jorge were like a pretty good first run through it. But here's what I'm saying, BC. When I think of, like, bad mother efforts, I don't necessarily think of, like, the best fighter ever. I just think about guys who had a hard nose, mean styles, right? So let me give you an example. You know who I think is, like, a BMF to me? I have just, I, I couldn't say enough good things about his game and, like, who he is in terms of a competitor. Matt Brown. Like, Matt Brown is a BMF to me. Now, Matt Brown's never had a title shot, you know? That's not, that's not the path he's had. But when I think about guys who got, like, that real I in think your you're actually face, right on. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I think you are I think you are getting closer to the spirit of this. Derek Lewis saying John Jones and Andrew Silva. I mean, look, John Jones is an absolute bad mofo and and into some elements Silva too. But I think the spirit is more in line with who's fighting for the belt and what you're saying. So it would be a typical MK moment, Luke, if I asked you to name your top three of something and you responded with 47 answers as to so you would never forget somebody or have to take a stand. But since you're going to take a stand anyway to wipe later, and since you're also going to take a stand, which is so weird, by the way, and since you're also going to take a stand on OK Bet, why don't you just take a stand right now and tell me the three fighters, unequivocal of honorable mentions, who meet your BMF, you know, uh, prerequisite conditions here, character. All right, so I'm
0: going to go, I'll go Vanderlei Silva, axe murderer, right? Right? I mean, this guy's nickname was The Axe Murderer. I mean, I don't know how you have any conversation without him in it. I'll go Joaquin Hansen. Do you know who that is? Hellboy, BC?
1: I don't know who this is. Oh, My
0: man. Wife. You know, this is... And I'll say, I know this sounds like a hipster pick, but give me just a minute of grace to explain why I don't think that it is. I know that a lot of folks don't necessarily know who he is. He didn't... Uh, he was one of, the, he's one of the best fighters who never fought in UFC. And, you know, um, uh, uh, he didn't fight stateside in any kind of way that um, would have made him a big name here. He was a guy who fought in Pride and, you know, in the aughts. And then I think, I'm not sure when he retired, but he was fully tattooed and just had one of these fucking violent games. Guys would shoot in on him and he would just knee him and completely one shot KO him. He was just known for, like, again, whose games are mean, mean guys. So I'm going to go Vanderlei Silva. I'll go Joaquin Hansen, Hellboy. The last one is tough. You know, Matt Brown, you could put on that list. Maybe you want to make him honorable mention. I'm trying to think like the uh, last look, we, one I, of those. I
1: specifically outlawed any use of honorable mentions in here. This is you taking a stand. Finally. All right. All right. All right. All right, all right. I
0: got the, all right. All right. I got those two. I would say last but not least, I'm going to go for like a BMF. Mm. Man, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Um,
1: is this what it's like when your wife says, what do you want for takeout tonight?
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. You know what? I don't have a better answer, and I really think he embodies it. I'll stick with Matt Brown. I mean, I'm not trying to pick okay. guys <laughs> who were... I'm not trying to pick... Well, here, I'm being serious. I'm not trying to pick guys who like, oh, my God, these are the Mount Rushmore guys of MMA Achievement, although all three of the guys I mentioned are decorated. But I just like these certain guys, man, at certain ways had fucking violent games, all violence members. Um, those three, I, I'll pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a fair disclaimer and much shorter than your Uber drivers are not bad people. This long disclaimer that time, Luke. Here's my big BMS. I, I don't even remember that. I think that. they all fit in. Here we go. Oh, oh, remember when... Uh, Alexandre Pantoja won the title and said that he was just Uber-eating recently and you went on a literally literally a three to five minute run of just so everybody knows out there if you drive for uber It's not a bad thing. You're probably a good person like it's not a bad thing. And I didn't say good Luke, person How is it Luke, I can talk nobody's this long saying and it's you, a bad thing.
0: Listen How is it I can talk this long and you still don't know what I'm saying? That's really quite amazing. Uh, that's not what I well, said. You know, what I said was it's, people are it's like people. Are, no, no. The argument, the argument is the argument is why is a guy who's a champion fighting for Uber Eats like it's some disreputable thing? And of course, it is not. Rather, it's not that a person who is a extremely high achiever in professional athletics shouldn't have to resort to kind of gig work in order to support yeah. their family. Not that gig work. They should show anyway, their butthole like the
1: other respectable UFC fighters do. In listen, that situation. listen.
0: If I listen, here's the thing I don't understand about OnlyFans. Imagine this. Like, there is. What's the market for seeing my butthole? It's zero, right? Like, there's no one <laughs> who would ever sign up for it, right?
1: <laughs> well, Uber, Uber drivers might be into <laughs> that, to be fair, Luke. You know, they're not bad people, though. They're not, I'm just saying,
0: imagine, imagine you had the kind of life where you could actually sell, you know, subscriptions to something like that, and then you just don't do it. I don't get that. I really don't get that.
1: All right. My top three BMFs. Here we go. I think I nailed it. Robbie Lawler. Justin That's Gaethje. One. That's a good one. Don Fry, bro. All right. Oh, yeah. Oh. That's
0: a good one. That's a yeah. good one. That's a really good that's one. It. Yeah, that's it. That's what one. you
1: got right there. Well, speaking of Derek Lewis, speaking of everybody fighting this weekend, by the way, there's also a top-ranked boxing card tonight on ESPN as pound-for-pound pound ranked female champion Cerise, uh, Sinisa Estrada looks to unify minimum weight titles in the main event. Here, here in, in Vegas, loop. right? Yeah, they're in Vegas as well. Yes. All right. So uh No shortage this weekend. Okay, bet. We go head-to-head five categories each to find out who's worse at betting and who's most likely going to end up at a death metal show come 2024. We call this Okay, Bet.
0: Uh, Let me say this, BC. Let me say this, if I may. I need to dead wrong Mikey. Can I I dead dead wrong wrong you since,
1: since they were playing the intro, Luke, and you just talked all over it?
0: Yeah, okay. I mean, I mean we again, this is being held together with hopes and prayers. I mean, you know, the fact that we even have a show is kind of remarkable. BC, he's got my overall record at 51 50 and 3. That is not correct because at no point have I ever had a negative deficit and he's saying that I went 4 and 1. If I went 4 and 1, that would have meant I had a negative record last week, yeah, which wrong. I did not.
1: That so that Mikey, wrong right dead there.
0: wrong. That's not my record.
1: Well, here's what happened last week. You and I both went four and one, a big week, Luke. We both got that main event correct. Uh, What was last week's main event? Uh, I don't even remember.
0: I literally don't even remember. It was at home?
1: (laughs) Home, Oh, no, Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall. Tom Aspinall, Aspinall. Aspinall. yes, yes, (laughs) yes. Dude,
0: UFC London feels like six months ago. I mean, Jesus Christ.
1: All right, our updated official scoreboard per Mikey Morms. Luke Thomas fifty five fifty one and three 55, BC.
0: Yes, that makes so sense. So you are
1: you are holding form above five hundred just barely fifty yes. and fifty nine. But unlike Yanni the Greek, Luke, when I open my mouth, people don't melt from the whiteness. In fact, they uh, suddenly get a hunger for 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 a loaf of bread, Luke, from, uh, there we go. Okay. There, there it is. I just want, Uh, I just want
0: to say the India flag. I both love this, that someone has done this. And I also hate them that someone has done this. Yeah. You've been turning your
1: back on that nation for 44 years. Luke. unfortunately. (laughs) All right. They birthed you. That's your womb. Okay. New Delhi. Yes. Uh, I'm five games back more or less, although you have a lot of ties. I don't even know how we got there, but we went four and one last week. So, Luke Thomas, before we get into it, and this is our chance as well to update all things UFC 291, we can't wait for this BMF main event, Dustin Poirier versus Justin Gaethje. And friend of the program, CBS Sports' own, Shaquille Majori, the recently married Shaquille Majori, Luke. He caught up with Mr. Action, Mr. Excitement. I don't know if you remember that time we talked to Justin Gaethje-Luke and he said if a man can hold you down, he can rape you. That was a weird conversation, right? <laughs> All right. Well, how weird is the one that Shaq had with him? Let's listen in. You know, I can't find a lot of similarities, I would say. I think we're, we've both grown so much from that from that day. Uh, we've both been in some huge fights. We've, we've obviously lost to the same two guys. But I think you know, with with age comes wisdom, and you know I've been able to really grow in, in that aspect of the sport. You know, being more technical and understanding that you know I have to fight a perfect fight, not necessarily going in there and just trying to match. You know, just be tenacious and, and try to use my tenacity as as the main factor. You know, really need to just be more focused, um, stay within myself, and and be, you know, more patient. I always create damage, no matter what, no matter if I'm trying or not somehow their faces is just always mangled at the end of the fight. So I just need to wait for those opportunities and land those shots. Shaq, of course, was teeing Gagey up, asking him if we'll see a, you know, a smarter version after what happened between these two back in 2018. You can watch that full interview on the Shaq MMA YouTube channel. Luke, before we get into the picks, uh, 291 in general this fight week and this the expectations for this main event, separate from who do you think wins, is this the... Arguably, their first fight in 2018 was arguably the best all-action fight of this division's incredible run lately, of just every time these legends get together, they call Tui, right? Is this going to be, even with the changes between them, the drag-out war we expect, nay, we deserve, at high elevation Saturday night in Salt Lake City?
0: I think so. Now, does it go the same length? Does it go longer? I'm a little less clear about that. But I do feel like BC. You'll probably get at least, or like right around two. I feel like two rounds, maybe more, is a fairly safe bet. Again, it could go all the way. You could get twenty-five. I think that's unlikely, but it could happen. Um, but I just don't see like one guy taking a big shot and then just collapsing. That that has happened, but I don't know. It feels unlikely here for me.
1: Alright, all right, Luke. Uh, we are going to have you covered no matter what you're watching Saturday night. Luke Thomas, live from T-Bone Bowl Arena in Las Vegas, going to hit you up with the Morning Combat Spence Crawford. Instant analysis. I will be doing the same from here in my basement for all things UFC 291. Luke, well, I hope the main events won't go head-to-head. Do you think they will, timing-wise?
0: They shouldn't. do This card in, in uh, Vegas here, starting at 5 p.m. local, 8 p.m. in the east, so just like do the math on that. They're probably going to have a lot of promos in the first. Yeah, I think you're going to have, like, one fight in the first hour. Unless it goes really quickly, you might get two. But, dude, like, they're going to have the main event walk by what? At the latest 10.30? Yeah, when you
1: start at 8, that is, that is giving us a it's chance just, here. It's just
0: a massively early. So, yeah, I think that they're going to get going. I don't think they're going to overlap. Now, obviously, the main event will overlap with the UFC main card. I think that part is probably true. But um, not the main, two main events. So that's a good news. Good news for the fans, I think.
1: All right, Luke, we'll update people because we always tell the truth, right? You've been traveling. You're, you know, this show is being held together by paper cups and a string. So I don't even know if you can still hear me. But did you actually make your picks yet, Luke? Is it official that you put?
0: Yeah, they're in. Okay,
1: they're in. They're, they're in. Are you going first or second here as we reveal who we're betting on this weekend?
0: Uh, I'll go first. Um, I'm going to stick with the UFC main event for my main event pick. And it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I mean, you can make a great case for either guy. Would not in any way surprise me if either guy won. But for me, the difference is that I think this guy is a little bit more proven, a little bit more polished, and in the trenches in general, I think, has performed better. Give me Dustin Poirier to win the BMF belt on Saturday. I like him in the main event.
1: That is Luke's main event pick. Now, I didn't pick this fight... In terms of specifically who's going to win in my top five, but I did want to say this: I think it is Poirier's fight to win the second time around, almost exactly how the first one went. The wild card difference, is of course, is that Gaethje has grown a lot since then, and I think even with that rally against Fazeev and using guile and smarts, just as well as using you know forward motion and, and guts, yeah, he could come out a little bit more calculated. He could whatever, but eventually. They're going to give you what we expect. It's called the BMF fight. We're going to get a brawl. I like Poirier, who I just think's offense is just better. I mean, even with the hard leg strikes from Gaethje, he's just got a better distribution. Poirier does have to walk that line, because if this turns into a brawl that's not the guy you want to be in a full, all-out, think you know Chandler versus Gaethje type of craziness, I still think Poirier gets it done and stops him like the first one. Unless this gets too crazy too early, Luke, and the altitude plays a role, and then suddenly, look, the deeper you get into chaos, it's going to go Gaethje's way. But Poirier is so great at going up to that flame, you know, getting a little, getting burnt a little, but man, just holding his ground and delivering. And and, and like Aaron Bronster likes to say, like building, building the foundation that leads you to that KO, strike by strike at the moment. Just don't wait too long, Luke. Don't watch the picket fence dry or whatever they said in Hoosiers, right? I don't know. The painter I don't remember it. You know, it's an 80s reference. All right, kind of Luke, my main o- event of, pick. Kind of, a,
0: kind of an overrated movie, if you ask me.
1: Oh, hell hell no. What's wrong with you? What's overrated about it, Luke? What's, what's I don't wrong? know. What's it wrong? never,
0: it, it's a good movie, but it never, like, I never felt the attachment to it that certain people had.
1: I know what you're trying to say, and I resent that, Luke.
0: I'm not a big college basketball guy. It's hard for me to, like... Hair, you know? Well,
1: the good news is that movie was about high school basketball, Luke. So there you go. Look, keep digging. No, keep digging. Been that, been hey, Luke, my main event long, pick, been
0: that long since I've seen it. been that long.
1: Uh, they call it the Milan Miracle, Luke. It was based on a true story. Here we go. My pick is going to be in Boxing Spence versus Gene Hackman was in it. It's been a while since I've seen it. Go ahead. Uh, we did a two-hour preview yesterday. You can check that right now on our YouTube Morning Combat channel. But... Luke and I both came to the same pick at the end on this main event. So here it is. I'm going Errol Spence. Yes, he is the betting underdog. Yes, Crawford has more ways to win in that regard. And if one guy is going to win it dominantly, it actually may end up being Crawford. Just like when Pacquiao and Mayweather met, we thought we were we were going to get, a you know, probably a, a more entertaining fight than we did. But there was that potential. If Floyd figures him out, he could really put some distance there. The potential is greater in the line of Crawford. But... Spence, I've never seen a guy more dialed in for a big fight. A guy more willing to promise you that this will live up to the old school expectations, that this will be a thriller, and that he will do whatever it takes to get it done. It's not that Bud isn't of that same ilk. It's not that Bud doesn't have one of the best backbones as a finisher in this game. Bud is nasty. but I believe this is the last time you'll probably see Spence at 147. Uh, Provided he makes weight today and everything's fine, I think he will be. You just don't find weapons like this, who's that big with that gas tank, but also that smart, that thorough, that all of that. Eventually this is going to turn into a war and Spence is just that dude and that dog. And we have seen Crawford hurt before. We have seen him down before. We haven't from Spence. He's pretty much fought through any time being hurt in his career. Single punches from Usak, Danny Garcia, Porter, and he survived. Yes, rocked earlier against Emmanuel Larte, but he clinched and got out of that situation. Spence is a is a warrior, and Bud's never fought anybody before, in my opinion, where the skills can match up pretty evenly. And if they do, if Bud is unable to just outclass and outthink Spence, and this is more of the two-way fight we expect. That is Spence's fight to win. Give me more Errol Spence here by majority decision, Luke. I'm taking it. I'm taking it home. Thank
0: you. All right. I think that's a fair pick. BC, I'm looking at something that the Schmo posted here. Derek Lewis on the scales today has abs, visible abs. Can you believe that?
1: Yeah, he's telling stories about passing out at prior weight cuts, Luke.
0: Right. Right. Uh, Being like, you know, cutting 25 pounds and whatnot, like not really in the kind of shape you need to be to have a great weight cut and then affecting his performance. I guess we'll see what happens tomorrow, but this is a good sign for him, for sure. For sure. Well, give
1: me a favorite, give me a favorite. Who you got here?
0: I'm gonna go Roman Kopilov. Now he started in the UFC, not that great. Like he, I think he lost to Carl Roberson, and then he had a back and forth affair that was decent with um, with Durayev. But he's been on a two fight win streak and the last one over Soriano I thought was just really good. He's gotten much sharper as of late. Better punching, better counter punching, just better understanding of his game. You know, this is, uh, for Saturday's purposes, this is a tough fight against uh, Claudio Hibero, but I don't know. I'll, he's not a massive underdog. I like his chances. Oh, excuse me, what am I saying? Um, he is Minus a... Minus 200 uh, favorite. Yes, yes. He's a, he is, a I would say, a decent favorite, a decent favorite, but not so heavily that you can d- discount Hibero's uh, chances. But yeah, Kopylov's improvement of late has impressed me. I'm going to ride with him.
1: Dude, I'm right, tired.
0: Jesus. Mm.
1: We're almost done here, Luke. Hang in there, okay? Sorry, you man. gotta get. Sorry,
0: I'm sorry, bro. I'm I'm struggling. I'm doing my best. You know, best. What you I should do? go to
1: one of those IVs where you pay a couple hundred dollars in Vegas, Luke, and they oh, cure headaches. That's hangovers. actually not a
0: bad idea, dude. Uh, you know, I've never done that, but that is not a bad idea. Wow, I might do that. Okay, all right.
1: Oh, wow, I was joking, but hey, go for it, Luke. All right, my favorite <laughs> is going to be on the UFC card. Look, Michael is a fan of the program. He's coming off a long layoff. I love his skills. It's like skill versus skill. I like Kiesa's chances here against Kevin Holland, but I'm feeling really good about Holland as the minus 150 favorite against the plus 125 Kiesa. I think that layoff is going to matter here in a three-round fight, and even though Kevin Holland can be feast or famine because of how willing he can be to take chances, take difficult fights last minute, whatever, he is coming off that big knockout win over Ponzinibbio. He does look to have found a home here at Welterweight. I just think if he educates educationally if he damn i don't i see people think i you know i i need to be on reddit luke they need to put my shit on reddit i can't speak today i'm gonna say luke if he can be judicious in when to go for it you could catch kiesa here rusty coming off of where he's at i like kevin holland here it's not an upset it's a favorite pick but i think he's riding sort of like an upset spirit inside of him luke you catch kevin holland on the right night you can get effed up
0: I struggled with this one, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad pick at all. It's a tough fight, striker versus grappler. We talked about it earlier in the week. It's a good, it's a decent pick. It's a decent pick. Um, But if we can, I'd like to go to underdog because, BC, this is where we part ways a little bit. For my underdog pick, I actually like Michael Chiesa. Um, Now, Michael Chiesa is certainly a little bit older. He, as I think we talked about it before in a sort of strange place in his career because he's still a good fighter but he's also got a budding broadcasting role that i think it really is important to him and yeah i think he could really do well in so i know he's a slight underdog here it's not a massive uh, disparity in odds but it is a guy in holland that for all of his improvements and again on the feet i think he is much better but for all of his improvements michael chiesa should be able to get this guy to the ground and he should be able to control him and in a three-round fight, he should be able to win. I, I I know it's close. I know it's tough. You can make a great case either way. But for my underdog pick, give me give me Michael Chiesa. I like it.
1: I love it. I love it when we go head-to-head, too. And I certainly could have talked myself just the same into Chiesa into this one. We'll see how that pivotal fight plays out for both of their runs. My underdog pick, Luke, I'm going to stay at UFC 291. And, I mean, I don't even know if technically he is the underdog because the odds have been basically a pick them. But the last time I looked at Caesars... Jan Blahovic the former light heavyweight champion minus 115 but Alex Poetan Pedata Pereira Pareira
0: Pared-
1: Pareira is minus 105 so technically the underdog look this fight's going to bang we went ham on Wednesday at the stakes and what the future matchmaking could look like for the winner the winner will be in a title fight i mean we know this Maybe you could have had the interim title fight right here. Maybe it could have been whatever you wanted it to be. It's going to be glorious, and it's going to come down to how much Pereira can defend takedowns against Jan. If Jan utilizes that exact strategy against Israel Adesanya, it could work here. Mm -hmm. But I am very interested to see what Podeta looks like without having to make that sharp of a weight cut that he made to 185, where he rallied late to win the title against Adesanya before being knocked out in the rematch. He's won titles in two divisions in glory. The the, the legendary Polish power is not to be effed with unless you're Poetan and you wrestle Glover and the Rivers and you have the type of fight-ending power in one moment and the poise to hang in there. I'm gonna get. This is a big benefit of the doubt type of pick. Not that look, the odds are close. Anyone, anyway, they could go either way, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with what Pereira has done and how nasty he has looked in making this transition from kickboxing to MMA almost look effortless and in overcoming the obvious errors in his game that just our lack of experience in this specific discipline. It has come together very quick for him, and yet he just looks like he belongs he goes up to 205 and can be more dynamic there without that weight cut, I think he's going to knock Jan Blachowicz out. I'm taking the, the slightest of slightest underdogs here, and I'm going to take Poets on whether I can pronounce any any of his names or not. I think it's Alex per John Attic. Alex.
0: Alex. Uh, okay, I think that's an interesting, that's a tougher pick to, to call, but an interesting one just the same. Bc I won't belabor the point on this one, fairly easy for over-under. I'm going to go, Spence Crawford goes the distance. A lot of people have talked about either guy getting put away here. And again, we're talking about sensational fighters. I didn't think Stephen Fulton Jr. was going to get put away by Way although you could certainly recognize that Inouye was going to w- win no matter what. But he did. So crazy things happen. Nevertheless, um, give me this one going the distance. Now it could get ugly. Maybe somebody does touch the canvas at some point. Maybe both of them do. But I have a hard time believing that it's going to go inside the distance unless someone gets, like, you know, maimed like Kel Brook did or like Ugas did. But they're just they're more hittable than Bud Crawford is or Errol Spence is in certain ways. So, yeah, give me uh, Spence Crawford going to the full distance, which means the judge is going to have their work cut out for him. Let's go.
1: Luke, I, I you know, doubt you'll be betting on this Spence Crawford fight. I mean, you're working on it. You're calling the undercard, uh, hosting, co-hosting the... Uh... Showtime countdown pay-per-view show on Saturday. But uh, would putting a little money on the draw with these two, probably not a bad idea, right? I was talking to Brandon Wise at CBS Sports mm. about that this morning. I remember when I did the same, Luke, for Triple G Canelo 1, and boy, was that a great day in the life. Um, there's draw potential. Although there. although,
0: there although that, that fight had no business being a draw. I mean, yeah, you, it yeah, was, yeah. but, you
1: know. It worked out. Yeah, it worked out. That is interesting, but I do like that pick. So you have Spence Crawford going the distance. My pick is that this fight will not go the distance and there's doom and gloom with that if it goes this way and it's Bobby Green versus Tony Ferguson. I actually could see this going the distance even if Ferguson accrues a ton of damage because they're both badasses. They're going to go after it. But that same badass spirit of having that high level of endurance also can flip around against you and you can get caught in some shit here. And I don't know what type of resistance Tony Ferguson has left. And I know he told everybody that he's in his prime and that he has a five-fight plan that ends with him fighting for the title again. Um, You know, I'd love to see Tony bounce back and suddenly shake off all that damage and act like it never happened. But... I'm a realist in this regard. And i it's like I love him too much. That's why I'm, I'm being like almost extra kid glove careful with like, do we really have to do this again? I don't want to see this guy take the shit, the shit. If he takes the shots and the shit, Luke, you're going to take one. Big John style. And this fight's not going the distance. So I'm, I'm feeling good about that, even if it makes me feel morbid to have to say all this out loud.
0: Well, I didn't pick that fight for my over-under selection, but I did pick it for the next one, BC, which was KO or Sub. So give me that fight ending in KO. Now, of course, Tony does have some legit sub-ability, and that, I think, should not be overlooked. Green will take risks. Green seemed, by the way, very um, put off by the... So I think one of the one of the uh, media members asked Tony, I think it was Oscar from Mac Live. I love Oscar, but he asked him, did you see fear in his eyes? You know, I can't do a British accent, but, you know, one of these questions designed to just get the fans hyped up. And uh, Tony was like, yes, I did. Boy, that boy! I got to tell you, Bobby Green did not like that one at all. Or he got in his face and was like, do you see fear? Do you see fear? Tony didn't say anything after that. Um, you can make of that what you want. But I think this fight ends in KO. And you, it could go either way right. because Green takes risks and Ferguson's not what he wants. Yep. I just want to remind folks, guys, five fights in a, a title shot, Tony's 39 at 155. Like, that would be yeah. the miracle of all miracles for that to happen. You know?
1: He's the king of wishful thinking, Luke. But you got
0: to be at this point to keep going
1: out there. So, look, when you hear, like, um, there's certain songs when you hear on the radio, like, you know, you're like, I don't care who's watching. I'm just going to grind out to that, even if it's a guilty pleasure. How about um, Life is a Highway by Tom Cochran? Is that an automatic skip for you, or is that a 90s jammer?
0: So it's funny you mentioned that. The last time I was in Vegas, I didn't realize this, and I don't even know who the artist is, but someone did a country cover of that. Have you heard it?
1: I have not, but it sounds pretty awful.
0: No, it sounds horrible. It's like, life is a highway. I mean, just the worst twang you ever heard in your life. I wanted to hit the, the guy singing it with a two-by-four. Uh, but the original, the original, I mean, that bangs. That bangs a little bit, you know, so I'm all okay. right with it. it.
1: I mean, it bangs, but it's annoying, too. Like, the simultaneously, Luke, I Will Walk 500 Miles, that song, I'm skipping. No, you know, you know what
0: the worst one is? You know what the worst right. one is when you go somewhere? and someone hits the jukebox, this is the worst one. Ready?
1: Josie's on a vacation far away. No, that's actually
0: the best one.
1: Dude, come on. you got (laughs) to rock out to that. It's a huge guilty pleasure.
0: I love that song. I love that song. What I'm saying is, like, when other people sing it, I want to hit them with a tire iron. That's all
1: I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like that Eddie Money track, I'm not turning the radio when it's like, just like Ronnie said, right? Come on, you know what I'm saying? Be Be my my little baby. That one, yeah. Oh, yeah, that'll hit you right in the feel spot. Also, how Uh, about this one?
0: How about, hold on, hold on, hold on, on, before you go. Because it's also like the air guitar thing, like which one gets you to do the air guitar? I got to say, uh, Money for Nothing Oh yeah. I mean, how do you not pull out the old, the string assembly for that one, you know?
1: Yeah, some of the takes, though, and the lyrics there, Luke, maybe not made for 2000.
0: Right, yeah, I mean, it, it, it didn't hold up, it didn't hold yeah. up, but you know. <laughs> uh,
1: but yeah, dude, I, I mean, I got MTV May 1st, 1984, Luke, when we moved into our first house, and uh, I, you know, the first two years of that, I was just memorized, mesmerized at the TV every single day, and the Money for Nothing video was like that, in uh, that basically that and the Hot for Teacher video by Van Halen, those two videos raised me, that's what I'm saying right now.
0: BC, how about this? I not I had parents. MTV. I had MTV when I was with my dad in the summers because my parents were divorced. But I never had yeah. it ever one day in my life at my mom's house. So I never fully had MTV until basically after college. How about that? So like 2003 wow. or 2004.
1: So you missed yeah. all those spring break episodes that they'd go down to like Fort Lauderdale. And yeah, those were racist. No.
0: I mean, Well, here's the thing. If they re-aired it during the summers in any capacity, I saw it. But not all during right. the year, no.
1: All right. Uh, My final pick on this week's OK bet, KO or sub, I'm going to go knockout in the BMF fight, Luke. I didn't officially make a winning pick on this fight for this OK bet, but I don't think this goes the full five rounds. That's what these guys are made of. I do think there's an extra responsibility now that this is actually the BMF belt for them to pull out a BMF fight. And if they do, it ain't going the full 25 minutes. It's just not. It's really just a good pick.
0: It's a good pick. Yeah, I should have done it, it, but it's a good pick. Good, good Let's job. Let's see who
1: comes out there. Um, maybe I'll make another run. Maybe I'll pass you by this week. That'd be great. You know, I'll start getting my concert plans in order. Finally, we close every Friday. We take the stand. Look, we take L's sometimes. You got to take the L's in life. You gotta, you gotta embrace them and absorb them. We try to do that, but you better have receipts, okay? Or you're gonna get clowned. It's called dead wrong. We've got meningitis, Luke. Uh, morningcombat at gmail.com. We'll <laughs> find you, Mikey Mourmal, right there. Let's hear from Danny. He says, good morning, guys. It's Danny from Texas. I believe I have a first because this dead wrong isn't for either of you. It's for the guy on the ones and twos. Wow, that's Mikey, right? At fifty two, th- at 52.35 of Wednesday's show, your intrepid producer, Mikey, put up a graphic of Tony Ferguson's last five fights. This showed Tony's fight with Justin Gaethje occurring on May 9th 2022 mikey that's dead wrong this fight happened on the same day but in 2020 this however Ooh. is not my main concern mistakes happen after all what i can't forgive him is on that same graphic tony's most recent four fights had a two-digit year format 20 comma 21 comma 22 but the fight with gaethje had a four-digit format of two zero two two boy this is pedantic as shit but he's right Mikey where'd you get your computer skills clown fart university make that shit match up all jokes aside loving the new graphics you guys are getting all professional on us donks we don't deserve you keep up the great work and Mikey wrote in a response here he says no excuses we gotta be better wow that's that's accountability right there Luke
0: accountability that's we make plenty right. of errors here why even pretend otherwise
1: It's a comedy of errors, the show. Hey, could Uh, CBS
0: text me more during the show in ways that I'm unable to answer when I'm doing a CBS show? I wonder.
1: Wow. Wow. (laughs) Hell hath no fury like an underslept Luke Thomas. This is great. I
0: haven't haven't slept, and I'm not doing a bit. I I haven't gotten more than, like, four hours a night in probably six days. I mean, it's just, I, I've never had a streak like this. Since
1: <laughs> Somebody quickly 20th. text Ariel, no skits and bits later today. None of them, <laughs> please. Okay, <laughs> uh, um, this well, one. I am
0: struggling.
1: Uh, this one's from Hawaiians Daz, D-A-Z-Z, not Telvin Kipapa. Uh, he says, aloha, during episode 469 at an hour and 34, BC mentions Rob Font finishing Adrian Yanez, quote, to hand him his first defeat. BC, maybe I'm being pedantic, but Adrian Yanez already had three losses heading into that fight. This was his first loss in the UFC, UFC but not his yeah. Yeah, first yeah. loss, as you reference. Shout-outs to the MK Discord. Keep up the great content. Boxing content has been really good lately. The Spence breakdown and the Inoue post-fight. Mahalo, it's Daz. Well, Daz, you're right. Technically, I was wrong. I actually did think when I made that reference that he had been unbeaten overall, Luke. I'm dead wrong. I take it. I accept it. Okay, very good. Does Does bounce back with a bang, Luke? Whenever he does, I, yeah, I think I think
0: that that was a really painful experience for him, and I think he's too smart not to learn from it. So matchmaking matters, but yeah, I have high confidence in him.
1: Sean Brady too. Once they allow Sean Brady back into that cage, Luke, he's going to yes, poor bastard. He's getting staff, you know that guy. All right, this one is from Asad, our final dead wrong of the week. He says, back at it again, when discussing Tom Aspinall on July 24th, Luke said Tom was from Liverpool so they could sell a fight in a soccer stadium there. I hate to say it, Luke, but Tom Aspinall is from Lee, Greater Manchester, meaning that Mm. once again, Anfield can suck it because Old Trafford (laughs) is the place to make this fight. Okay, let's be honest, they're not going to run it at the empty hod, is this all uk in in inner talk i don't understand this so no this is
0: this is somebody who is not a liverpool fan not a manchester city fan but a man united fan
1: Oh, all right. He says, also, I have a bone to pick with BC for his absolute butchering of my name last week. I know it's not common for an overly washed and concussed factory town, middle-aged gentleman such as yourself. But because of you, I'm now subject to humiliation from my peers who I had just gotten around to saying my name correctly after struggling for years to do so. Maybe you can give it another go or not. Is it? So is this Mikey? Is this Asad? Is that that the guy? Because I know other people wrote in about this Aspinall thing. Assad, asad asad look how do you how would you pronounce a s a d
0: i would say asad but you know i don't know i don't i don't i don't know i don't know how that's pronounced all right
1: sounds Asad, Asad, acid Asai Look, is it Asai or E? Because every time I order one before I get on a plane, I feel like an asshole going like, you know, is it is it is it is a it, it, you know to steal Dennis Larry's bit that he probably stole from Bill Hicks. Is it croissant, croissants, croissant, croissants? Croissant? You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I mean it's not. It's, okay, I mean, you don't okay, have to not... like, dude. You don't have to be like, hey, you know, you can say like, you know, uh, you don't have to say Mexico. You can say Mexico. It's fine. But it's definitely acai, 100% acai. All it's
1: right. not Asahi. Well, they're telling me to close here, Luke. They're telling me to close. So, Luke, you'll be in Las—you are in Las Vegas—and yep. later today, 3 p.m. Eastern Time. What's the location for today's Spence Crawford weigh-in?
0: It's actually going to be inside T-Mobile, uh, I believe. So, it uh, should right. be fun. But
1: good. No one to be sweating. I think it is so actually. I Actually, outside. don't
0: you know what? I actually don't know, but I think it's inside T-Mobile.
1: Luke Thomas alongside Kate Abdo and Ariel Hawani will have your covered Luke, do you know the start time for tomorrow's Showtime pay-per-view countdown show with you Kate Ariel you'll be calling fights yeah. and you will be continuing the big time push toward the start of that 8 p.m Eastern pay-per-view
0: I believe that will be 6 p.m. in the east, 3 p.m. in the West for the and YouTube Showtime, YouTube Showtime sports YouTube channel yeah
1: Final reminder saturday night after the fights luke thomas from t-mobile morning combat instant analysis of spence crawford bc's taking the bmf side ufc 291 from my basement don't miss it that's all i have to say luke final word from las vegas what do you got
0: uh just hope i don't die please tune in for my coverage if i'm still alive by tomorrow thank you so much for everyone who has tuned in yesterday and every other day i appreciate it so much
1: if you want to watch our nearly two-hour preview of Spence Crawford, go to our Morning Combat YouTube channel right now from CBS Sports Network. Thank you all, for everybody, for the birthday wishes this week, for the, for the intense greetings and happiness as we are leveling up before your eyes. It's MK Forever. We ain't going nowhere, folks. Mikey Morms behind the scenes on the ones and twos. Jason, our director, great chatting with you. But for now, we out of here.